welcome to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein, and I am in Lawrence, Kansas, on a cold January 12th, 2018 morning. It's beautiful. The sky is beautiful blue. Yesterday, the slippery stuff fell from the sky, so it's kind of strange that it looks so warm and beautiful, and that if you step in the wrong place, you're going to probably fall on your butt and... <laughs> That is life in Kansas and lots of parts of the country. Um, this is my chance to sit at my dining room table with a cup of coffee and a guest. Sometimes the guest is right here next to me, and sometimes I just close my eyes and pretend. Um, this time my guest is rather far. I'm in the middle of the country, and she's out in Florida. At least that's her home base. The connection comes by uh, thanks to our mutual friend, John Yamaris, who's in Pennsylvania. This is the way my, my life works. Sometimes I think I should put up a map for each show and show all the connections of, well, this person to this person to this person to this person, and we crisscross the United States and beyond, and, and that's kind of fun. For example, my guest today does writing for a, a journal that somebody else I've talked to on the show writes for. So anyway, I'm excited always to do the show, appreciative, and, and know that listeners know I hope you, you laugh when we laugh, not just at us, but with us. I hope that you enjoy some of the poetry that you will hear. I hope that you'll explore our website to see the visual art as well. You know, to me, it's always a fun thing thinking that people get introduced to somebody whose work they don't already know. I've even had the pleasure of sometimes finding out later that people have done some projects together. It doesn't get any better than that, you know? That's very cool. Good stuff happens. Anyway, so today I get to welcome my guest, who if you encounter her thus far as a writer, you probably know her as Eileen Murphy. If you've encountered her primarily through her visual art, at this point you probably know her as, as Miss Murphy. So welcome to Talk With Me. Hi, how are you, Marcia? I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to do this. When when John Yamaris says, "Oh, you need to talk to this person," it's like I take that very seriously. That's really that's really great. Um, so I know it's going to be fun. I know he's excited to hear where we go. So since he sends you, his regards. Oh, of course, he's a wonderful person, and he, you know, that's that's the way he is. He tells me, "Say hi to her for me," and he tells you, "Say." <laughs> Say the same, you know, sending greetings from Pennsylvania, both directions across our country. So I will tell, tell him. Yeah, tell us a little bit about you. For people who have not yet encountered you through your writing or your visual art, just tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm a college professor, and I'm a poet, and I'm a visual artist, and I do book reviews. Wow. And all of these things... Uh, kind of mesh together really for me uh -huh. so there's some there's kind of seamless in between all of them uh -huh. but I put them into categories to uh, make my website easier to navigate and uh -huh. for people to be easier understand what's going on yeah. but um so I've got a full plate right now <laughs> uh -huh. And and from your writing from your visual art from our mutual connection with John Yamaris I know that dogs are an important part of your life too, huh? Yes, um, we've got three dogs, and two of them are rescued, and um, they were uh, they've 
they're like my kids, really, you know, yeah. uh, really important to me. And um, I also like drawing dogs. Uh-huh. I always liked drawing dogs. And so I kind of jumped at the chance. I have a chance right now to, uh, well, it's not a chance. It's uh, uh, an agreement to illustrate a book about dogs. Uh-huh. It's a story is, about dogs. Is that John Yammers' new book? John Yammers' new book coming uh-huh. out probably in December of 2018, but uh-huh. um, it's not, for, for, you know, at this point. But it's called Phoebe and Edo Are Dogs. <laughs> That's a cute title, isn't it? <laughs> it is. As a dog person, I, I, I find that to be something that our dog, my dog sometimes forgets he's a dog. I would say that about him. When, when we first yeah, met him, we thought maybe he was a giant cat because he was such a, he was so much the dog that wanted to lay in between and be petted a lot. And I'd, I'd, I'd lived with dogs and loved dogs before, but never one who, who was as close to, to his people as, as our Bo is. And so I thought he's a little bit like a cat, but then also I'm sure that a lot of times he just assumes he's one of the people because he's just supposed to do whatever the people are doing. You know? <laughs> well, you're part of his pack. That's right. Yeah. That's right, and he's he's a, a dog that actually thinks his pack of people would be much better than any dog could possibly be. So he's taught us that as well. <laughs> well, I have uh, my sister has two pit bull mix dogs that are part uh-huh. of our pack too. Mm-hmm. So they are the sweetest dogs. Yes, like, and, um, and as you say that, I, you also shared that you had a terrible, horrifying, scary yes. experience with the dogs recently. I'm so sorry about that. Well, in October when we were, I was, it was about 6.30 in the morning and it was not dark light yet. And I took the dogs out, my three dogs out in our fence in front yard. We were attacked by pit bulls, three of them that got in the front gate and they just attacked us immediately. And I was, uh, hitting them with my metal flashlight and kicking them uh-huh. and uh, just had to really fight them off yeah, eventually. Uh-huh. So uh, my husband came out eventually and helped me. Uh-huh. So that was scary. And my dogs did recover, luckily. Mm-hmm. Two of them were seriously injured, but they're, uh-huh. one of them's completely healed and one is almost healed. Uh-huh. So we're... Um, Doing a lot better. Yeah. It's sad. Scary for that everybody. Yeah, it was. Poor, poor dogs. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and All I can think like, is that people have to be careful about how they train their dogs, you know. Yeah, exactly. Some people train pit bulls to be aggressive, and that's not good. Yeah. And... Yeah, oh gosh, we could go off on that, but those pit bulls that have this, these, as I say, they have these incredible smiles of any dog. You know, they could be some of the sweetest dogs and cutest dogs ever. And I don't know whether, in your connection with John Yamras and, and his work, I don't know whether you actually also know Rob Plath, who is another friend of John's and another um, writer. No, not at this moment. 
Okay, so so Rob Plath is a as a poet and photographer and painter, um, and like you, he some of his visual art, a lot of his visual art actually has dogs in it. And, uh, Rob something is something I'm looking to. Yeah, and Rob is in New York, um, in Long Island, and he volunteers with what's called the New York Bully Crew, which is a pit bull rescue. And so Rob will will share stories and photos of these dogs that he's been walking as in his volunteer role with the rescue, you know. And these dogs who've been so mistreated, but are rehabilitated easily when people are loving to them, you know. And so you know he's got these these great stories of these dogs that you know he'll say, you know, like. I kind of wasn't sure what was going to happen. And then this big dog with all the scars lays down and lets me rub his belly. And he's so happy, you know, it's a good reminder about how wonderful animals are. Yeah. They're better. They're better than we are sometimes. You know? <laughs> that can happen. It is true. So, so I always want to know sort of how people recognize, I guess that's, I see this difference between, what you do and who you are, and that when we're lucky, a lot of the things that we do really represent who we are. So I think for people who create art, whether it's written or visual, music, sculpture, whatever it is, that 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 really is who you are. And so, so my question is, like, when did you recognize that that creating art, that being an artist, is an important part of who you are? Well, it took a lot me a long time. Um, I have a sister who's an artist, uh-huh. and she's very good, and she's uh, also an art teacher in South Carolina, and she's won prizes and so forth. Um, and so I had this feeling that I didn't want to overshadow her uh-huh. Uh-huh. or compete with her. Mm-hmm. But I did do my, you know, art for myself, and then eventually... I got over it. With my my sister is great now. She's mm-hmm. like a great coach to me. <clears throat> I send her booklets like I sent you, but a lot more frequently with my art uh-huh. stuff in it. Uh-huh. And she gives me tips, and she's been so helpful me, with me with drawing these dog projects. Uh-huh. Um, I can't tell you how helpful helpful she's been. Uh huh. So did you start creating art when you were a child? Or, or we were, that? yes. Okay. Yes, that's where it all comes from. I took a lot of art lessons when I was a kid. Okay. And I also took some in college. Uh-huh. And I've recently taken some photography and Photoshop classes at Polk State College where I teach. Uh-huh. So it was, uh, and I can't tell you how many photography classes I took and dropped out of. <laughs> because when they got to the stuff about f-stops and um, aperture openings and stuff, but I managed to get through it eventually. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. And so you, you know, you share on your website, you have information sort of about your educational background too, and that, you know, you, you started out in, in languages, you got a law degree along the way, and ultimately um, an MFA um, with writing. So, so how did how did 
all that come together. That's an interesting, I think I was thinking, do I know anybody else who has a law degree who talks a lot about their art? I couldn't think of anybody else. And I thought that's kind of weird, isn't it? Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's some out there. Um, yeah, sure. I didn't know what to do with myself after college. And uh-huh. my parents didn't think writer or artist was really a career. Mm-hmm. Although my sister had given them a lot of, you know, ups and downs, and they were so happy to see that she actually went to Ringling Art School. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, but they still weren't impressed with being an artist or a writer, so they wanted me to go to law school, and so I did. And I tried uh-huh. it. I gave it, a good, I gave it a good try. Uh-huh. But then I was... Uh, had. Pretty soon started teaching writing. You didn't have to have an MFA at that point if you had a law degree. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching in community colleges ever since then. So I finally got my job at Polk State College, which was a full time job. Mm-hmm. So I and quit the law. That was back in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've known people who have law degrees and have done other things too, but again, I. I was thinking, I know people whose emphasis was different kinds of sports, lots of different things. But but I but I like this that okay, and and your background came from law, and the reason that 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 strikes me is that I think about in a lot of ways that that the um, the the ways the creativity involved with any kind of art to me means we have to look at things in very unlimited ways, lots of possibilities. There's not only one one way of crafting even a phrase of words that means something. You know, that there there are all these possibilities and the creativity is important. And and with law, I think about there being a lot of facts to incorporate, you know, a lot of a lot of structure that gets imposed. It's not like Yes, oh, it's real structured writing. Yeah. Okay. But it ultimately so, so, was beneficial to my writing to, you know, have a structure so that when I uh-huh. started teaching and then writing book reviews and articles, uh-huh. it was okay. easier. So, uh-huh. so and that, that's kind of what I was wondering is sort of how that fit with the art that you create. And so you're saying okay, the law very helpful. The art that I create. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, I never thought about that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, how it's coming into the art. Yeah. Because I think it it must affect, at least when you were immersed in your legal training and work, that it affects kind of how you think about things. Uh, that's my experience that, you know, some of the people who are my friends who whose primary work is in a field of law kind of have a different way of, of analyzing a situation, you know, that I might not a right or wrong, but, but we tend to look at things differently. And that can be really interesting to bring that together that we might each see things that the other one doesn't. So, so that I was thinking about that, you know, both with your visual art and in your writing, you know, wondering how that, that law training um, influences that. Well, um, I can tell you that uh, at that time, way back when, when I was first a lawyer and stuff, I used my writing and my art as just, it was a total personal thing that I didn't think about at all. 
Uh-huh. I just did, you know? Yeah. So it was a good balance for you when you were when you were working with law when you were studying. Well, no, it didn't. It oh. didn't act that way at the time. Oh. Really, it's good balance now. Uh-huh. I feel it because uh-huh. uh, I have an idea that it's good for me and that I enjoy it. You know, uh-huh. but at the time, I can tell you, I was just would do it sporadically mm-hmm. on a whim and not think about it. Yeah. And and so, do you have kind of a favorite type of art at this point in terms of media that you work with? Whether it would be writing or photography or painting or whatever, is there is there something that you're mostly drawn to? Well, what I do um, with all of them really is um, I do sketches and photos, and then I take them and I transfer them. I like scan them into Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And then I Photoshop them, mm-hmm. and I draw and paint using a stylus. Okay. So technology and is important in your art. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. You can. It's like oil paint or watercolor or whatever you want to uh-huh. decide to use. Uh-huh. And I mean, there's just so many options. I'm still learning all of them. Because uh-huh. previously I was more into photography, and boy, Photoshop is—it's um, like the whole world. <laughs> what do you mean? It's got—it's got nooks and crannies that you'll never discover in your lifetime. Okay. It's so big, okay. and so many resources and things. Okay. So I've just been happily discovering more resources and just pretty happy with the uh, Photoshop, you know, uh-huh. working with it. Uh-huh. That's so interesting to me as somebody who's never done uh, any kind of art on the computer, which is my broad way of talking about, you know, what you're saying, you know, so, so I have this concept of, you know, brush on paper or brush on canvas or, you know, things like that. But I, but I don't, I, it's, it's, um, I don't, I don't understand exactly how that same kind of thing happens through technology. You know, not as a good or well, bad. Well, it's kind of like a miracle. Uh, okay, I like it. I like it. It's a miracle. It just happens, okay. you know, when you push, push the buttons and then you use your stylus. It's like a paintbrush, but it becomes uh-huh. different widths and stuff uh-huh. in different cards and different forms. You change uh-huh. the form of what the stylus is supposed to be. Uh-huh. Interesting. So it's it's a lot, even in some ways, better than. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's better, but it's different than painting with a, uh, a brush. Uh huh. Because you don't, you can redo your mistakes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mistake. You can this... do all your mistakes on Photoshop, but you can do some. You can review some. So you live in Florida, right? Yes, it's warm right now. I have the air conditioning on. And so, do you do, you do art outside? That's why I'm asking. Is I'm thinking about, you know, you you obviously have these these nature things in your art that you have on your website. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, do you, do you are you outside doing the art sometimes, or is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. 
This morning I stopped and took a picture of some cows. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just stopped the car and got out and walked around and got some pictures. And also in my in my neighborhood. I do Wait, you, have cow- you have cows in your neighborhood? Well, they're not in my... Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I'm, in, <laughs> I'm in a semi-rural area. So there, it's not cows next door or anything, but there used to be cows behind us before they built a house there. And there's these cows were on my way home, close right. close to here. Interesting. And so, what what's going to happen with these photos of the cows? What's what might what processes might happen from the photos? Well, I always manipulated on the phone first, and then I would, if I wanted to, I don't know if I'm going to do it with this one. I'd upload it to Photoshop and do more. Uh huh. So I don't know, and I don't know what I do. It yeah. would just depend on what occurred to me when I looked at it. Yeah. And and for me, so my our our family includes our dog Bo, who I mentioned, who happens to be a Springer Spaniel, which means he has a long body shorter legs than than other dogs with with that body not 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 teeny short like a corgi but anyway and and he's he's brown and white with big brown eyes i say this because in many ways if i see cows in a field they look a lot to me like my dog looks to me (laughs) (laughs) i was going to ask you what kind of dog you had yeah i have two spaniels mixed here so yeah spaniels are good dogs yeah, and and our guy is a rescue guy too, so that's a that's there's that whole story about you know that, but but, but I was just thinking cows and 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 my dog they they do kind of look alike. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about you know you're you're writing your, this this book with John, you're illustrating the book with John Yamras and and the dog pictures and and who knows maybe those cows get man- manipulated into one of the dogs in the I never story. thought of that but they could <laughs> certainly there's going to be a squirrel in the story i can let that hint drop all right <laughs> one of my favorite squirrel stories is walking with my dog i live in a neighborhood between uh, a big university the university of kansas and our little downtown area and so one of the things that that means is that people go, uh, people walk and eat food. Uh, I don't, I don't know if people do that everywhere. Kind of, it's kind of a weird thing in that people also tend to drop food. So, so my favorite, one of my favorite squirrel stories is, of course, our dog would love to eat every scrap of food that he finds along the walk, um, wherever we are. So, so he spots this piece of uh, pizza. At, but he's on a leash, so he can't he can't just go rush it. So as he's trying to get me to move faster so he can get the piece of pizza, a squirrel gets the piece of pizza, scrambles oh, no. up high enough on a tree trunk to taunt my dog. <laughs> Going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's mine, and you can't get it even though you're bigger. <laughs> so I love, I love the animals. Yes, I do. Anyway, so so you do visual art, and let's talk some about your writing art, because you do both your own personal writing and reviews. So, so whichever one of those you'd like to start with, tell us a little bit about that and how people find that. Well, um, I've been writing poetry for a long time, and um, 
I enjoy it a lot. And um, every year I do a national POMO, write a poem a day thing. Huh? Sometimes I do that just on my own. Um, John is one of my muses. Um, Frida Kahlo is another muse. The cat goddess Bast is another muse of mine in my poetry. Um, I've got the one poetry book that uh, is my current one. It's called The Knife Tree, and it's about my brother John's suicide uh-huh. and its background and aftermath. Uh-huh. Um, and so that book, and then I had a uh, previous collection about the Florida. It's called um, The Ring Has Lost Its Mind. Uh-huh. And I have a you know, one of those love-hate relationships with the Florida rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. It looks like yeah. it's going to today. <laughs> yeah. And and I want to I want to have I'd love to have you share some and talk some about your book related to your brother. And and as you said that, it it reminded me that one of the people, in addition to John, who you and I have in common is Alexis Roan Fancher, who is um, a poet and poetry editor for Cultural Review and a photographer. And um, Alexis has a beautiful little book about her experience with her son who died not of suicide, but of another health cause. And it's called the Joshua Elegies. So Alexis has this this really touching uh, chapbook and um, Recently, another poet um, who some people know his name, Taylor Molly, um, produced a chapbook called The Wetting, as in W-H-E-T-T-I-N-G, Stone, um, about his loss of his first wife to suicide. Um, and you know, in a, in a very separate way, um, one, of the, one of the books that I find so, so touching is the book Gabriel, a poem by uh, Edward Hirsch that's about um, his son who died of probably an, an, an accidental um, drug overdose related to unfortunate substance abuse. And, and so what I'm, where I'm headed is, is I have found there are so many books um, that are so personal and so powerful for people who have experienced loss to be able to encounter what it's like for somebody else also, you know, to know that you're you're not alone in one, the experience of that tragedy. You're not alone in, in some of the thoughts and feelings and ways that you acted at different parts in your grief, you know? And to me, mm-hmm. that's such a huge gift for people to know, yeah, this is really hard, but, it, it is something that people find ways to not only survive, but also to to get to a life where even with the pain of that loss, that still there are really good things in life. So I'm 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 I am always drawn to to those very personal types of writing. So what what would you know? if you'd like to share a poem and some about the experience of writing related to your brother's death, I'd love to hear that and have that be shared with our listeners. Well, um, 
I really couldn't help writing about my brother's death. It's mm-hmm. just this a big topic, you know, with me that I eventually had to get through it at some point, and I don't know that I'm through with it. Right. I don't know if I'll ever be through with it, you know? Right. I don't think anything like that is uh, like a life-changing event. And yes. you're not the same yes. afterwards. So even though I was older and he was 18, so he was my youngest brother. Uh-huh. And that was part of it, I think. But it was all, you know, very traumatic, but yeah, I went, got to write about it, but that wasn't, you know, that was just what came out, you know? Uh-huh. At the time I was writing The Nice Tree. I'll probably write something else for the next book, but mm-hmm. um, maybe come back to it. Mm-hmm. I probably have mm-hmm. to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a poem that I wrote um, for Tinderbox Journal. And it's called, After My Brother Kills Himself, I Try On Flowered Mumus. My boss says, go home. I wait, office door closed. Think to phone friends, don't. My window looks out on sky, scrapers, breathe in fog. I put on my hat, coat, and gloves and leave. I roam the loop and wander into Marshall Fields. This year's summer fashions feature Hawaiian prints, shocking pinks and purples. The dressing room mirror is a parallel universe. My reflection, a stranger in a flowered mumu. The smiling sales associate asks me where I'm going. Remarks on what a relaxing trip I'm going to have. I buy four shopping bags full of fuchsia frippery. Frou-frou swimsuits, overspending. Who cares? Spend it all. The world has come to an end. Yeah. And and when I read that, and when I hear you read that, and and the the sales that response, you know, assuming that you're going on this fabulous trip, you know, it it takes me to a very personal place that. Uh, my mom died of suicide of a drug overdose and I was at the time at the conference I go to each year on suicide prevention, a national conference. It was on my birthday. And so I get this news that my mom has died and I have to get from Santa Fe, New Mexico, where the conference was that year to um, the Kansas city airport. And I'm pretty overwhelmed. And one of the things I remember is the shuttle driver, because Santa Fe um, isn't an airport city. You you have to get to you know, someplace else to actually fly. So so I have to take a shuttle from the uh, hotel to Albuquerque. And the shuttle driver looks at me and says, "It's a beautiful day. Smile. Nothing can be bad." You know. And I'm like, "Right. I have no idea." <laughs> have no idea what is going on for me and it's so surreal and so you know for me because of my experience man when when i hear that part of your poem i think oh god i i have an idea what that's like people are saying those things that seem so inane 
Well, people don't know how to react, I guess. But yeah. when people tell you to smile, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I try to smile anyway, so it's good for you. <laughs> but other than that, other than that, I don't want anybody to tell me. Oh, yeah. And and so you don't know what's going that, on with the person. You don't. You don't know what's going on with somebody else, and nobody owes somebody else a smile. That's for sure. You you were saying that. I mean, it, it sounds like writing came really natural for you as part of what you needed to do with this traumatic experience of losing your brother to suicide. Was I mean? Did did you did you? I guess I'm wondering. Did you start doing that pretty soon? Were you able to to write? Um, I wrote about it afterwards, but it didn't. It um, it was too soon. It was too. Didn't really. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't really able to um, put anything together uh-huh. right afterwards on that uh-huh. topic. Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, I was writing another novel at the time. Writing, I wrote novels before okay. I took. Uh, I went to grad school. I, I wrote novels while I was a lawyer, actually. Okay. But they were just—they weren't, uh, you know, completed. Uh-huh. They were just practice. I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Were you in school when your brother died? No, I was uh, at a law firm. Okay. Working on like the twenty-first floor in downtown Chicago, in the Loop. Oh wow! For it was I had started a new job a couple weeks uh-huh. ago. Uh-huh. But they were so nice to me. So That's good. That. that that doesn't always happen. And so at what no. point did did you start writing related to your brother? Um I started this a couple of years ago. Okay. Um after uh, I kind of got disinterested, uninterested in the Florida one, and started mm-hmm. to, move, to move on to this, uh-huh. probably uh-huh. I was getting more distance on it, and uh-huh. uh, came to a place where I could deal with it. I guess. Mm-hmm. There were things that, that I had makes- to consider, you know, when I was writing it, whether to reveal certain things or hurt people's feelings that in the family that yeah. because of the way they acted. For uh-huh. example, do you talk about things like that or not in a poem? Right. Some people would right. some people wouldn't. So Right. There there's that that part about how people react to the the concept of suicide and, and if people see that as something that somehow looks bad for that person who died or for the family and this whole issue that that gets labeled with prejudice or stigma about mental health challenges in general and certainly suicide that that gets complicated and yet I'm, I'm always reminded i don't know how i where i first encountered this but a little quote from from ann lamott that says something to the effect of if people didn't want you to write about them, they should have behaved better, you know? <laughs> and so 
not exactly it. That's the gist. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, that's true. And then the other part being, you know, I always think about how we we have our own experiences and our own frames of references, our, our memories of of something that happens, including of the magnitude of, of death of a, a loved one, or the memories of those of us who experience that are not going to, to look the same. I tried to explain some things that the image that came to me related to my brothers and me talking about our childhood was to me it was like it was it's like going to an art museum and there are these different galleries that have different types of paintings you know and and the room with the Andy Warhols looks nothing like the room with the the Manets but they all have these things in common, you know, they're all reflective sometimes of the same things, you know, and it's like, I, it's mm -hmm. just, it's amazing how different our stories can be, not because we're consciously changing the stories, but the way that we experience them. So I, so I get well, that I mean, that's hard. Yeah. I'm familiar with Alexis von Fancher's uh, book about her son. Uh -huh. and I think it's really good. Yes. Yes. And one of the brave not, things not, she has in there, the Joshua LGs in there, is a little poem that, that speaks to how people don't understand your experience. And so she has a poem that, that you know, part of the, the story of the poem is, so I wish this person had to experience what I experienced, and then she'd know, you know? But yeah, not that we really I remember that poem. Else. That's yeah, the judge. Yeah. 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 And there's that, you know... The, Anyway, we have hard experiences. That's that is part of real life, and pain, you know. And so, talking about them helps who experienced it and who's writing in this case, but also other people. You know, it, it lets you know it, it's it can get livable and even better than just barely livable. You know, even with traumatic things, because like you said, they they change you forever. They do. And so it's mm -hmm. it's a gift in a lot of ways that you have you have your book that was stimulated by your loss of your brother. You know, in a lot of ways, it it like continues the conversation about your brother. It 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 can expands his legacy. You know, it's not that anybody ever wishes that something so traumatic happens as somebody dying of suicide, and that you know that pain and confusion that that represented. But you know that that. Um, somehow his story helps somebody else maybe stay alive you know that would be good yeah and i and i and i do believe in that that kind of power of art definitely so so your writing is is as personal and intense as as that trauma of losing your brother to suicide um and then these these colorful geckos and dogs and flowers <laughs> and things. I don't know where they come from. They're they're yeah. part of me. Um, I'm doing yeah. It's those are the colors I like. So uh -huh. um, I haven't really changed that part of my style a lot. Uh -huh. Even when I, when I did photo photography, I did the bright colors, and then with the drawing, I did the bright colors. Uh -huh. If I'm not sure if the dogs in the book are going to be purple, that's just an idea. Uh -huh. That was that 
with an idea I floated, but it's it's still um, being talked about what the dogs are going to uh-huh. look like. I'm still uh-huh. like doing studies, which yeah. is what we call when you do experiments to see uh-huh. what is best for um, a particular yeah. artwork or, or something. Yeah. And and you're working with Johnny Amaris, who not only is a dog lover, but also already has this great collection of poetry called Bark. Yeah. <laughs> I have Bark. I like Bark. <laughs> I bark at Bark. <laughs> <laughs> How did you two connect? How did you connect with a writer in Pennsylvania? There you are in Florida. Um, well, I would. I met him on Facebook. He, we have a lot of friends in common. Uh-huh. That's basically it. Uh-huh. I've never seen him in person, just uh-huh. uh, through electronics. I know. Isn't that funny? And then we have these people that we've known for, you know, maybe at this point several years, only through technology. And of course, we've seen photos of them. And so sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, we've actually never been in the same room yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm i going to make an effort eventually to visit all my uh, Internet friends mm-hmm. so I can see them in person. Yeah, yeah. And and so you, you, you write poetry and you also write reviews. Um, and so I want to hear some about that. I always wonder what it's like, and I know lots of people who have multiple roles. They might be an editor, they might be a publisher, they might write, you know, whether it's poetry or some other genre. And and I wonder what it's like that that to both create your own original work that somebody else might review and also to review other people's. Well, um, I started it out kind of like, you know, as a trial balloon and then I enjoyed it, so I continued it. Um, I wanted to learn more about poetry and poetry books and, you know, and contemporary poetry, and that has really worked well. Uh (laughs) And um, I'm going to keep doing it because it's just enjoyable. Um, You get to know a a book of poetry uh, better. When I I have to carefully take notes every time I do a review of all the poems, and analyze it, and then that makes me appreciate it much more than if I just read it. Mm-hmm. So you get to, you know really in depth more knowledge of what's in the books, mm-hmm. and you appreciate the writers much better. Yeah. And how did you connect with Cultural Weekly, which is in Los Angeles, the whole opposite side of the country from you? Well, I sent them a book review, and um, it w- they liked it, and they so then they asked me to do regular stuff for them. All right. So I've been filing as many articles as I can, considering everything else I have to do. <laughs> well, and it was really exciting because around the time I was um, recently talking to John, I, I saw, I'm not sure how it came to my attention, but I saw that Cultural Weekly had had released this article of their top 10 for 2017, and your review of Real is Rain by John Yamris was number four in that list. Like, well, this is really cool, you know, and then... Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, 
And then not so long after that article came out about their top 10, your review of his, his new memoir, Memory Lane, came out. And I was like, well, this, and it's, it's not, and that's more a conversation, I would say, than a review. Um, you know, that, that, I, that had really to do with the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. And so you worked well, with I'm John gonna with do the, another, I'm going to do an actual review of that book later in the year of uh, Memory Lane. Memory Lane, yeah. But not until July. Uh-huh. So you and John talked about photos that were part of what went into the, uh, Memory Lane. Yeah, um, I had he had given me the photos to start with to make a collage that is in the front pieces of the book and on the cover, uh-huh. that cover. Uh-huh. So I did that piece of art, and I happened to have the photos, so I thought I might as well ask them about it, mm-hmm. what were, what they meant, uh-huh. and you'd be surprised at what old photos can do. I love old photos. Yeah. yeah. And and so you who who use technology for your art these days, you know you're handling these old black and white printed photographs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was that like to you? Did, did it make you kind of? Did it? Does it make you want to do some of that old school photography with old type of equipment like that? Not to go to a dark room. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh no no no! Okay. I never learned how to do a dark room. <laughs> So I uh-huh. can't do it. I can't uh-huh. go back. I, I, I'm into digital. Uh-huh. So um, that's my thing is digital. Uh-huh. I don't know. I suppose I could do it if I wanted to. But um, those old photographs were, some of them were, they were tiny. They weren't as big as uh-huh. our photographs we have now. Uh-huh. And I was able to uh, enhance them on Photoshop to, so you could see what was in them a lot better. Because a lot of them were, you couldn't really tell what was in it until you enhanced it. That's the problem with, but digital isn't going to last forever in either digital photographs. Because right. your computer will die or yeah. um, the file will get deleted or Hypothetically, they last forever, but they don't. Whatever. Yeah, they get corrupted. No technology. Yeah, no technology lasts forever, which is such a weird thing that that I, you know I've read that it related to film as well as you know writing and photographs that 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 ancient technology of you know actual film compared to a digital copy of something. Um, if preserved, will last longer and be able to be viewed, you know, longer than than a computer file, you know. And, mm-hmm. and thinking about that difference, that you know, like, gosh, we don't. I I have I have photos that um, came from my mom's family, so I've like you know, actual photos in, but not that we look at them all the time from, you know, generations back because we sort of were the house where certain things were stored, you know, but then I think about, well, what, what actual photos do we have related to, you know, my husband and, and me and our sons and our life together is like, we don't actually have a lot of photos other than, (laughs) 
what's on the computer, you know, and it's and phones and stuff. It's like I love that I can take a photo wherever I am with my phone. Yeah, one of my favorite thing about having my phone, you know, is that I can take photos. But it's like, but they they don't exist in the real world in some ways. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So do you print out, do you like of your own work? I mean, obviously you have work for sale. Do you have some of your favorite pieces of your own that you have framed in your own? Framed, yes. Okay. Yes, I print out too much. My okay. husband's on me about cost of printing paper because uh, it, it takes a lot in ink and um, photo paper is expensive <laughs> to be printing out all the time. So I'm on a campaign to not print out as much or to print out on plain pieces of paper. So, okay. <clears throat> but um, you're right. Uh, I have to print it out still to some extent to see what it really looks like, to see if the colors yeah. hold up in the printer, for example. Um, that's one of the things of my existence. It's the difference between <laughs> a monitor and what comes out of the printer. So, yeah, that's my true. second printer. So, second printer, photo, photography printer. Do you envision doing a book of your own that would be your own illustrations and your own writing? Yes, I do. Um, well, probably just the illustrations okay. separately from the writing. I don't know that okay. it's really hard to get a combined poetry and illustration book published although people too I, I, I love because it it's funny how well I learned that word you know at whatever point from from a poet in uh, but who, who lives and teaches in the Kansas City area Jeanette Carasa uh, taught me that that poetry which I didn't know what it was until she explained and and then I've, I've realized that that you know just as illustrations for for John's book you know and and she's had some of his poetry books um, have illustrations by Jana Carlson and other you know other people and I, I look at people who you know, I've known people whose work has been accompanied who's this photograph with each poem and the and maybe the poem was inspired by the photo or vice versa you know that that whole visual art, word art type thing. Yeah. 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 And, and so, but I don't know anybody who has done that where they create both the visual ah. and the writing. And so I was thinking, well, since you in your own world do work in both ways with writing and creating that. Visual no, I would art. like a book, a poetry book that was illustrated with my own art, uh -huh. but they don't really, you know, do that a lot. So uh -huh. uh, the next thing I'm looking for is a book of my drawings uh -huh. or my sketches that I did for the best ones that I did for John's book. I'm uh -huh. thinking maybe something like that. So to I've done a lot of sketching. Could, that'd be great. One of those great things that it can be dedicated to all your doggies. <laughs> all my doggies, yes. <laughs> well, they're here. Some of them are here with me right now. So, of course, they say, of course, they don't say hi because they're sleeping. Ah, they're nice and quiet at the moment. 
Be nice and quiet. It's going to happen. Yeah. No. But it's nice. It's nice having them around. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So you teach and you create art, and obviously there are other things that you do. But I'm wondering, do you do you create art, whether it's writing or the visual art? Is that part of most weeks that that you actually are doing some art pretty much all the time like that? Or is well, it yeah, spurts? Um, or? No, I have been doing it every day for a long time. Uh huh. Okay. So um, it's just fitting it in. Really, is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I get up early in the morning and do it. I know, you know, it's hard for people sometimes to do that. Some people aren't morning. But I got into the hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. But I got into the habit of it, and then yeah. it finally came comes easily now. Uh-huh. It's good. Do you do you and know? Do you know whether you're going to be doing visual art or or writing? I mean, do you make a choice that at this point I'm no know, mostly I just do what I want to do usually. That makes it me happiest. Mm-hmm. Luckily, what I want to do is what I'm have projects to do, so uh-huh. it works out. Uh and what kind of teaching, what kind of things are coming up in your teaching with your students? What kinds of things well, are they Well, I teach uh, English composition, and I teach English uh, lit, interpret uh-huh. lit. And, um, oh, what kinds of things come I was trying to tell my students that they could get themselves published, that they're mm-hmm. treated as adults, as college students, and they could um, send some stuff out. Because, mm-hmm. for example, we do some flash fiction in class and that's real popular now mm-hmm. and I know that they a lot of them do a good job writing mm-hmm. something like that they'd only try mm-hmm. the ones that really want to could try and send send it out yeah so um, I try to encourage the students to be writers if I can uh-huh. um, I've got a club that we started called the creative writing club that we do a lot we meet once a week at, at the college Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to have uh, Peter Meinke, the Poet Laureate of Florida, come in oh. in one of our meetings very shortly. So we're happy about that. Tell me a little bit about him, because I, I think, I always think it's interesting that before I ever met any Poet Laureate of any state, my my imagination was very different than the reality that I that I feared that these would be very formal, stuffy people and none of the poets laureate that I have met or anything like that. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, I don't, I haven't met him yet or know him really well. I know he's uh-huh. a former professor at Eckerd College and um, he travels around to the various presentations like he's going to give to our club uh, uh-huh. for free or using his own car. He doesn't get paid to be Pope poet laureate. Uh-huh. So yeah. he's, doing it all by himself and um, luckily we can pay him just a little bit for his gas so Uh we can do that at least and Uh um, I just have to give him a lot of credit for um, he's uh, retired and Uh 
do this while you're retired is yes, just the greatest thing that you could do. Yeah, yeah, it's like in in I've known um, because in Lawrence, as it happens, there are three former poets laureate of Kansas who actually live here. And the current poet laureate, um, Kevin Rabus, is as a jazz mu- musician and professor and poet, you know. And so, so I've had the fortunate, good fortune of getting to know these people who've been part of the the history with Kansas poets laureate. And then, um, you know, so one of the like when we were talking about the acrostic work, um, one of the former poet poets of poets laureate of Missouri, Walter Bargan, um, has. But one of his books is photography and and his poetry. And, you know, I think about these different people and, and what a huge gift it is, you know, that it's, it is a huge responsibility for them to get out across their states. And you're in, in a big state, Florida obviously is a big state with lots of highways and travel involved to, to reach lots of people. And, you know, that, that poet laureate who gives that gift of, poetry and encouragement of poetry across the state. That's a, that's a cool thing. That's a really cool thing. Well, we're so happy that we're having him. We're, we're going to make a big deal out of it and everything. So yeah, nice. fun. hopefully that'll be encouraging for your students and others who might come hear him at that club that, that that's, that's really cool. Well, I, I get um, good students, you know, good writers in my class. I try to encourage them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so um, I do tell them a little bit about myself and the poetry that I've written and the book reviews yes. and articles and stuff and try to get them to think that it's possible for them to yes. buy it themselves. Yeah, that's great. And and I'm realizing I've been a little derelict here because we're winding down in the hour and we haven't had you share much of your poetry. You shared one poem that that is part of the collection with this, the poems for your brother. Is there something else that you'd like to share in terms of your poetry? Well, let me um, tell you the one about my grandmother. Okay. The last one that I sent you. Okay. Yeah. It's called Falling Star. Grandma, I wish we could sit down at your Formica table in your kitchen in Tampa and eat grapes and drink Cokes from the bottle to keep cool. You always slipped me a few bucks because you knew money escaped me. But you didn't mind the way I was. I wish I could take you shopping. I'd buy you a pair of red shoes. You always like shoes. I wish I could wrap you into a piece of bread and carry you in my purse. And when I needed you, I'd pull off a piece and let you dissolve under my tongue. That speaks of so much love. That is so, so sweet and tender. That's beautiful. It's one of my favorites. Did you grow up with a lot of contact with that grandmother? Yeah. Um, it's my father's mother, and my parents were both in the home. And um, she lived in close to Lakeland. We're close to Tampa here. And so I did see her quite a bit. And she was 
you know, just very important to me. Uh, It's so important that we have those adults who connect with us, who who care about us. You know, that, that poem communicates that that sense of my grandmother loved me unconditionally. You know, I'm, I might seem weird to somebody else, but my grandmother loved me, and that's so important. Yeah, that was the way it was. It was good. Yeah. What a sweet thing to share. Thank you. Well, we have been talking about visual art and how law affected your art, you know, all kinds of things. Dogs, I have my dog looking at me right now saying, wait, why am I in the other room? He's got his nose sticking out in between the pocket doors. He's pretty cute. Um, and we, we're going to have to say goodbye to our listeners. We want people to be able to, to know they can find your work of different kinds. Website, which is Mish, M-I-S-H, Murphy, M-E-R-P-H-Y dot com. You're generous on your website with with your visual art and links to lots of your written art so people can really get a sense of what you're up to. They can see you and your doggy. I like this this first one that comes up. The, the dog with the sunglasses on is it's pretty cute. <laughs> So people get a chance to know that, you know, there are things you're doing now. There are things to keep looking for. Um, Cultural Review is a place that you will have reviews regularly as you're part of their crew of writers. You're working on projects with Johnny Amaris as well as things that are going to be obviously your own projects, including hopefully that collection of, of dog art that isn't part of the book for John. Lots of good things going on. One, I want to thank you for spending this hour with me, you know, for sharing some stories and, and again, sharing as you have through your website. It's It's been fun and I'm going to be looking for, you know, more of your work, what you're doing. So thank you, Mish. Thank you, Marcia. I enjoyed and, it. Good. And I want to thank our producer, Daniel Smith, because, hey, nobody other than you and I would be hearing what we've been able to talk about if it weren't for Daniel Smith. So thanks, Daniel, for doing this show. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, This has been another time to get to know another artist, a person in Florida, where here I am in the middle of the country, loving technology because we get to have this conversation and loving technology because that's a big part of, of how you're creating your art. So that's, uh-huh. that's a cool thing, too. It's, it's pretty important stuff. So thanks to everybody, and so long.